This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings, friends. This is Mark Richter at Linux for the Layman, bringing you episode 33, More About the Shell. Last time in episode 32, we covered some of the basics of shell variables. I talked about how I find them useful and some of the things I do with them. Today, I want to go through a couple more things that I haven't really talked about yet, and we'll see where it goes. The first thing I want to talk about is not directly related to shell variables, but it's called command line completion what you can do with the tab key. For example, suppose you want to run a command and you don't remember the name of it, but you know that it starts with snap. Now this is not the snap installer we're talking about, we're just saying, say, suppose you have a command called snapdragon which does something you want to do. So you type in, in a terminal window on the command line, which is how you run things to the shell, you type in snap tab and what it should show you is everything you have that starts with snap. If you have only one thing, one command that starts with snap, say your only thing is snapdragon, then it should fill in dragon. If you have multiple commands that start with the word snap, it won't give you anything. You type the tab key again and it will show you all the options. Then you can pick the one you want by adding in enough characters to make it unique. So suppose you only have the one that starts with snap dr, so you type in dr tab and it will fill in snapdragon. Okay, so what does this have to do with shell variables? Hmm. Variables can also be expanded similarly. For example, I have, as I've mentioned before, a number of subdirectories in my documents directory. Some of them are similar names. I have one called records, I have one called receipts, I have one, oh, I have another one that starts with REC. And yeah, let's see, what's that one? Records, recipes, and receipts. So if I type in, for example, what I just did, echo space dollar rec tab i got nothing then i hit tab again and it shows me dollar receipts dollar recipes dollar records now why do i want to do that at all simplification shortening fewer things to type to make it easier to get done what i want done i have a whole directory of receipts i have a whole directory of recipes and i have a whole directory of records so if I add in the missing letter, E, I, or O, I'll get the rest of it. So let's add the E, echo dollar R-E-C-E -E, tab, and it has receipts. And then if I hit enter, it shows me what 
dollar receipts contains. That's my home directory dot slash documents slash receipts. It's much easier to type in dollar RECE tab than slash home slash admire slash capital D documents slash receipts. And you can do this anywhere on the command line where the context of the dollar REC is in is distinct from any other uses. So it's a shortcut. Now what is the advantage of that? I have a document directory called scans. When I run my scanner, it saves all of my scans to my dollar scans directory because I have it set up that way. I use the simple scanner that comes with Xubuntu and it will routinely save to whatever the last directory I saved to was. So if I keep changing that around, I can get lost. Oh, I wanted that scan to be in my tax directory. Wait a second, this scan's getting saved in my tax directory. I don't want it there. No, the simplest way is pick a single directory where all your scans are gonna go. Scan things to that directory. Later, when you're done with your scanning, you can go back and move the files from your scans directory to wherever they might need to go. I put my insurance scans in dollar insurance, my medical record scans in dollar medical, my Medicare records in dollar capital M Medicare because M-E-D-I will expand through the tab feature to medical. But if I want to go in Medicare, I do a capital M-E-D-I and that expands to Medicare. So these are simple ways to refer to other areas. How do we set these up? Ah, that's a little more complicated and we're going to be getting into shell scripts more. And I'll save that for another podcast because that's not as much of a beginner, layman type of thing, but it's worth knowing how to read a shell script and what it will do. For example, in shell scripts, you can have a series of commands that are always performed in the exact order and they always do exactly the same thing whatever that might be so how do I tell it to do certain things for certain files and certain things for other files there are shell script constructs for doing conditions if this condition is true do this execute this action else if this condition is true execute this action else do something else. That's a simple way of looking at it. They can get very complicated very quickly depending on how difficult what you want them to do is. And I'm going to go through a script I wrote a long time ago called mplay. It's short for mplayer which is a command line command for playing audio or video files. Mplayer is very versatile. It can play all kinds of things. It can play MP3s, MP4s, MP3 playlists. It can play them in order, in random order. It's quite generic. And my Mplay is set up so I can put something short to abbreviate a file I want played and the script will figure out which file in which directory it is that I want to play. 
by default it goes to my music directory and I have 23, 2400 files there. Sometimes I want to play a list of them. I have playlists in that directory. I have individual files. The files have naming conventions so I can play patterns of files. All of which can be recognized by the shell script and we'll talk about it in the next podcast. Right now I'm going to take a break and I'll be back. For this part of this episode, I'm going to do something completely different. I don't generally talk about what's going on with me or say anything about money except that I'll accept contributions, which I will. I wanted to add something here. You may have noticed it's been almost three months since my last podcast. Episode 32 came out on August 5th. Today is November 5th. It's Guy Fox Day. That was three months ago that I did the last podcast. I have been battling a number of issues. I was laid off from my job on July 15th. I got some decent severance pay that lasted me through the end of July. I believe I mentioned this in the last episode. Since then, I've had a couple of trips to the hospital. I've had some heart work done, some lung work done, some work related to my dialysis, and it has taken a toll on me. So what I want to say is this podcast will continue to be free. There is no requirement of any kind for you to contribute. However, if you're getting something out of this podcast, I would ask you to think about how much is it worth to you, the information you're getting, for the time frame in which you're getting it. These podcasts last 10 to 20 minutes. Is that worth $5 to you? Is it worth $5 of your time to spend learning whatever you get from these episodes? If you have a question, has it been answered? If it hasn't, please feel free to contact me again. In the midst of all my medical marvel wonders, I have lost track of some of the questions. Some of them I may not answer, and I would like to have the opportunity via a reminder to let you know this is something I don't consider layman level interest. You might look elsewhere on the web, but I'm not going to waste your time. If what I'm saying has value to you, think about how much it's worth to you and contribute that. I would be willing and loving to accept a $5 per episode subscription. I won't enforce it, but if you subscribe to Spotify or Anchor, or whichever service you're listening to this on, at $5 an episode, it will get sent to me. Whatever you think it's worth for the time that you spend, consider donating that, and I will be happy to accept it. I plan to continue these podcasts. I hope, again, to be able to go back to a two-week schedule. That hasn't worked out terribly well so far. And who knows? The future is wide open. There are many possibilities. I have books. I have a book going into publication this week. I have another book that I published myself. hasn't been selling well. But I write fantasy adventure novels. I love fantasy adventure novels. Feel free to look them up. 
The one on Amazon currently is called Mystic Prince. The one that's due to come out this month from a publisher is called Mystic Prince Colin Vixen. It's the second part of the story. I envisioned it as a trilogy from beginning to end and I haven't been able to publish it fast enough to get that to work. I don't have a podcast for it, so it's not getting the publicity I feel it deserves, hence getting a publisher that will help me with that. All of that is an aside, but if you happen to like fantasy adventure novels, take a look. It's got all four and five star reviews. You'll like the story. And if you like this podcast, don't just keep it to yourself. Tell your friends about it. See if they like it. This is for you, the layman to Linux, someone who is not a professional Linux programmer or engineer, but wants to have an idea of how it works to see if it's something you might want to install on your home computer. It is faster, more resilient, more powerful, and more secure than Windows for sure, and pretty much any other operating system core you might want to be running on. There are corollaries for almost every Windows application you can imagine that will run on Linux, and there are even some that will run through an applications interface called Wine that will run exactly the way they do on Windows. Wine supports a lot of applications. Some it won't. Microsoft Office is notoriously difficult for that particular reason. But LibreOffice, which is available for free on all platforms, including Windows, is very close. I wish I could say it was 100% compatible, and I can't because I myself run into issues with it. They're typically very technical issues that, for me, it's just easier to use Word instead of LibreOffice Writer because that's what publishers are looking for. It works for me. LibreOffice is great for most people. If you want to access the web, there are numerous web browsers you can use that all run on Linux. Firefox is decent. Chrome has a reputation, but I find it works fairly well for my uses. And there are others, Vivaldi, Safari. There's lots of them. They all run on Linux. Some run better than others. The choice is yours. And that's the ultimate benefit of running on Linux choice. You choose how you want to use it, and it provides what you choose. Until next time, this is Mark Richter at Linux for the Layman. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something from it. I hope you found value, and I hope you spread that value. And if you feel like donating some money, I'm willing to accept that too. Thank you and have a great day. Bye for now.